0: If you can remain standing for our scripture reading this morning. Uh, We'll be reading out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, uh, verses 13 through 20. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Secret secrets are no fun. Secret secrets... You guys know how it ends? Hurt someone. So one of the rules that that we have in our house is we don't have any secrets. Now, uh, sometimes we have surprises, but we don't have any secrets from each other. Uh, Because secrets, um, they're very complicated, right? And when do secrets get complicated? When you add other people to them. There's all sorts of things that uh, we hope people don't find out. There's all things that uh, maybe it's better that that we don't want people to know. Uh, But when we begin to share secrets, um, they create all sorts of different relationships uh, that can quickly uh, become very, very complicated. Who's ever been hurt by a secret that you found out? Has anybody accidentally hurt somebody by telling a secret you shouldn't have told? Yeah, there's probably more hands than I think. Yeah. So secrets are incredibly unique in our relationship as people. And so there's a couple quotes that I found about secrets, and I want to run a couple of them by you to see if you feel like they're true or not. The one who can keep a secret is very wise, but they are not half as wise as the one who doesn't have a secret to keep. A secret remains a secret until you make someone promise never to reveal it. Yeah, that one feels right. A secret is too little for one, not enough for two, but way too much for three. This morning as we're gathering in church, we are coming to praise and we are coming to worship a secret. And that secret is that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Now, it's probably the worst kept secret in history, right? Because that's what happens when you tell 12 guys not to talk about something. All they do is start talking about it. And now billions of people know the secret. It's become something that our entire faith really revolves around. And so how ironic that in this moment in Caesarea Philippi with the disciples, when Jesus says, don't tell anyone who I am, has now become the central tenet of our faith of trying to tell everybody who Jesus is. Why would Jesus ask the disciples To not tell others who he was. This idea in scripture is that it shows up here in the gospel of Matthew. It shows up really heavily in the gospel of Mark. It's called the messianic secret. Jesus has a secret that he doesn't want the disciples to tell everybody about just yet. And why in the world would Jesus want to keep that a secret? I think for me, it goes back to that very first question that Jesus asked the disciples as they were walking along this road. Now, they find themselves in Caesarea Philippi, which Caesarea Philippi is about 20 miles kind of north of uh, Lake Gennesaret, or the Sea of Galilee. Um, And it's got some unique characteristics, Uh, It has a couple different temples that have been built there over time. One of the first temples was to a Canaanite god that was worshipped fairly heavily in that area called Baal. Um, And then after kind of the Hellenistic uh, kind of influence came in, the Greek influence, and then the Roman Empire came in, uh, they built a temple to Pan, the god Pan. And the reason why this particular area was so unique and it had a couple different temples and it had a very powerful, very kind of mystic vibe to it was there's a little grotto in Caesarea Philippi right at the base of the, kind of the foothills that lead up to Mount Horeb that a spring kind of begins feeding out of this grotto. And the source of that spring is the source of the Jordan River. All life that comes out of that area from the top of the snow melt off that mountain through that spring in the rock and the grotto here at Caesarea Philippi all the way through the Sea of Galilee all the way down to the Dead Sea starts right there at that moment. And so people see it as a source of life. They see it as a very powerful place. And so they came there to worship gods. And so when Jesus comes, walking past this place to where everybody has come to seek life, he asked the disciples, who do the people say that I am? Now, I think this is a really unique question that uh, is still really relevant today. I googled, uh, who is Jesus. How many, how many replies do you think Google came back? 1,370,000,000 hits in 0.76 seconds of searching. Over a billion replies of who Jesus is. Now, just as a frame of reference, I googled who I was as well. Who is Arthur Harrison? And it came up with 56 million replies, which was pretty shocking. Which was also as shocking to me that I found out that I'm also a superior court judge in San Bernardino County in California. And I recently won a primary in 2018. I had no idea. But if there can be so many misleading ideas about who I am, just based on my name, can you imagine how many out of that over a billion that came back, over who Jesus was. And you just think, out of some of those same articles, I think just out of some of the websites that I looked up, I thought the, the names were, were really unique. Um, oh, I didn't write them down. Um, it's like whoisjesus.really.com, uh, biblicaljesus, therealjesus.org, um, uh, findjesusnow.com. Um, just all of these different websites to try to point us who people say that Jesus is. Who they've come uh, to understand who Jesus is. And so when Jesus asks his disciples, who do the people say that I am? Uh, Peter just begins listing off some of the different, uh, some of the different things that he's heard. Uh, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say uh, that you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Now, here's what's really unique about this. Of all the crowds that have been coming towards Jesus, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees that at this point in the gospel have been kind of posing him questions, trying to trip him up, there's a lot of ideas trying to find out who exactly this Jesus is. But they're all pretty high ideas. They're all a pretty high understanding that this Jesus is unlike anybody else. In fact, uh, if he's anybody that we know, he has to be one of the pillars of the faith that have gone on before us. This Jesus must be a prophet. This Jesus uh, must be somebody uh, incredibly powerful. This Jesus must be somebody who's come before. They have a really high opinion of Jesus. But that high opinion, is similar to what we hear today when we hear other people talk about who they think Jesus is. That he was a really good person, that he was a really good teacher, that he was a good rabbi, uh, that he was maybe a healer, that he was uh, a miracle worker, that he was a con man. There's all sorts of, uh, from the very highest of opinions to the very lowest, of who people think Jesus is. And if that question is as significant to us today as it is, then surely the next question that Jesus asks is just as central to who we are as Christians today as well. When Jesus asks Peter, Now, who do you say that I am? And that's the question that's posed for us as disciples uh, even thousands of years later. Who do we personally know Jesus to be? Do we know Jesus as the one who has walked alongside us? Do we know Jesus as the one who has never given up on us? Do we know Jesus as the one who has taught us? The one who has showed us miracles? The one who has pushed us farther than we thought that we could go ourselves? The one that when we came to Jesus asking for a miracle to feed the thousands of people behind us, Jesus' first response was, you do it. You have seen what this kingdom can be about. You have seen the depth and the power that comes with it. And all of that is ready and available for you as well. Who do you say that I am? And Peter declares the answer to the worst kept secret in the world. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of Man. You are the one who has prophesied to come for us. You are the Savior. You are the deliverer. You are the one who will change everything. And then Peter tells him to not tell anyone just yet. And I think what's so unique about that moment is we as disciples get to look back Over the culminating event that reveals to us the fullness of who Jesus was. For me, I believe that Jesus told the disciples to not tell anybody who he was yet. Because I feel like the disciples don't fully know just yet who Jesus is. They know him by title. They know him by position. They know who he is up to that point in their lives. But we'll find out here even in the chapters to come. That their ideas of a Messiah, their ideas of a deliverer are very different than the kingdom that Jesus is really playing. The the kingdom that Jesus is really leading them into. A kingdom that they feel like this Messiah, this ruler, this king of kings and lord of lords uh, will come to be able to be a political figure or a kingly figure. And an empire and a kingdom that will be one with swords and thrones. They will find out and be tested to believe in a kingdom that will instead be won by a cross and an empty tomb. They feel like this Messiah and the Savior could be the one who has come uh, to get rid of all the problems that are in front of us. When in reality, it's such an inadequate way of realizing that Jesus has come for so much more than that. Not only to solve the problems that are around us, but to solve the problems that are inside of us. To make not only this world new, but to make each and every one of us new again. And the disciples hadn't learned that part of who Jesus was just yet. But we have. We have known Jesus To be the one who can not only redeem this world, but the one who can redeem us. We have known this Jesus to be the one who can not only transform our circumstances, but transform our hearts and our minds. Who shows us what true liberation is all about. Who shows us a freedom not just from the chains of this world, but from the chains of sin that we wrap around ourselves. A deliverance that is unlike anything else in this life. We are the ones who know those stories. And each and every one of you has that story and has that testimony of who God has been for you. And that testimony and that truth is what people need to see. We can tell people academically. We can tell people theologically. We can tell people historically who Jesus is. But that doesn't matter at all until we can show what Jesus has done for us. The evidence and the testimony and the life and the transformation that we carry inside of ourselves just in the way that we have walked with God and seen what God can do for us. That becomes our life. That becomes our testimony and our story. And that becomes what should never be a secret anymore in this life. The worst kept secret ever has now the greatest story we have to tell the world that Jesus loves us, that Jesus is here for us, and that Jesus isn't finished with us yet. As the band comes out to lead us in praise and worship as we begin to close out, uh, will you bow your heads with me as we pray this morning? Almighty and precious God, we do give you thanks. Because, God, you just not only walk along the good parts of our lives, but, God, you walk right into those moments to where we can ask the questions of who are you really? You are the God who has always been with us. You are the God who has never given up on us. And, God, you are the one who has called us to be more than what we imagine ourselves to be. Lord, when everybody else has sold us short, when even we tear ourselves down, you are the one who still has the vision and sees the purpose of the life that was breathed into us. The ability for us to not only be a part of the salvation of this world, but God, for you to use us to be a part of your kingdom in this life to come. That we can be signs of hope and encouragement wherever we find ourselves. That we can not only explain to people who you are, but God, we can show them by the way you have transformed our lives, by the way that we show your love and your grace and your forgiveness, by the God, the way that we strengthen and encourage others, we can be a part of your kingdom and your life. And in telling of the greatest story of the world that is no longer a secret, that you are here for us, that you love us and you are not finished with us yet. Allow us to tell that story. Allow us to have no more secrets as we tell the world that you are here. As we do all these things in Jesus' name, amen.